Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, this is the Offside Rule World Cup Daily with Sky Sports. I'm Kate Borsay. It's day 12 of the World Cup as England gear up for their last group game against China. Australia knocked Olympic champions Canada out of the tournament. Nigeria are through in their place. Plus Japan nabbed top spot in Group C after a huge win over Spain. And Zambia got their first ever World Cup win. Goodness me, there's a lot to digest. Good job I'm joined by two brilliant guests. With me today is the wonderful Helen Hardy, joining us live from the Melbourne Rectangular Stadium. G'day. Do you know what? I'm going to give you what you want tonight because Australia won. G'day, Kate. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a pod debut today. She's already dying from that, uh, from the wonderful Australian accents on display. Uh, Aston Villa manager, Carla Ward. Carla, we're really excited to have you with us. Thanks for thanks for having me. And what a day, two four nils. It's not a bad one to start, is it? We know that Prince William is a fan <laughs> of Aston Villa. Uh, you've yeah. got several several celebrities following you now. We're hoping that you might put in a good word for us, Carla, on this podcast. Give it <laughs> give it the royal sense. Oh, I'll try. I'll try. I mean, I think he prefers my four year old daughter than me. But um, no, yeah, he he was great. Fortunate enough to obviously meet him when he came into club. So yeah, we'll pretend we're friends. And uh, he's probably forgotten about me already. But we won't forget that. It's important to know people in high places, as all of us know. So a really big day today. It's my birthday today as well, guys. I feel like there was a show put on, not especially for me, but I've really enjoyed this morning's action. Uh, it's also the one-year anniversary of England winning the Euros as well. I know that's popped up on lots of people's timelines. Such a great day for English football, and um, and I'm sure all of us enjoyed that one. Let's see if England can get one step closer to another trophy, shall we, on Tuesday when they play China in Adelaide. So looking ahead to tomorrow's England game, a point against China would guarantee England's spot in the round of 16. If they lose, it could come down to goal difference. Helen, you're over there. I'd love to know what you're hearing from camp. I know Georgia Stanway has been speaking today and saying that she's ready and able to step in for the injured Kira Walsh. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting one. I'd love to hear what Carla thinks about this one. Georgia Stanway feeling confident, saying she can step in to the boots of Kira Walsh in that defensive midfield role. Personally, I think that she'd be a great stand-in and it's just a shame that she can't play in both positions because she's great high up the pitch as well. Carla, what do you make of it? I mean, yes, I do think she can, um, but I also think we might see a double pivot with Coombsy alongside her. Really, because if you're going to keep Rachel Daly at left-back, who likes to to play higher, uh, Lucy Bronze likes to play higher, particularly a team like China that might sit in and play on the counter, I think it will just give us that added security. And then looking ahead, if we can win tomorrow, then obviously similar similar sort of thought process with Nigeria. So it might be one to try tomorrow. But yes, I do see Georgia going in there. But I see Laura Coombs going alongside her and then potentially a free roll for Lauren James in the 10. Let's put your Aston Villa hat on a second, Carla. What about Jordan Nobbs? Does she figure in this at all? Possibly, but she's definitely not a holding um, a holding player. And that's where we obviously were crying out for someone to step into Kira's shoes. We know that's difficult. She's one of the best in the world. You know, everyone keeps saying it's not a catastrophe. But look, this is somebody that's 
been um, at the heart of everything that we do well. So with Jordan, I think that she she's someone that plays a little bit further up. So I don't see her in that role, no. Um, I see more of a Laura Coombs, Georgia Stanway type fit. Uh, here's one for you, Helen. A listener, Thundercats UK, has said Vigman should choose Zellum, Katie Zellum. Thoughts on that from you? Yeah, I think Katie Zellum uh, plays in that position, obviously, for Manchester United. Definitely the most natural cover. I just don't know whether she's close in terms of what Georgia Stanway can bring in that position. I do think that she deserves the chance. And for Manchester United, she's obviously captains. And I think that they need that sort of person on the pitch. Also, we were joking about it earlier with uh, with Aoife Mannion last night, but she loves an Olympico as well. So uh, maybe she'll be scoring, scoring from corners for us. Uh, and I, I personally think that Katie Zellum's a great um, substitute to come off the bench if we need it. Uh, but I, I don't see her being able to fill the boots that Georgia Stanway can fill in that in that holding role. How does Serena Vigman approach this from a squad perspective? When one of your top players is out, it does send ripples through camp. We've seen that. There's been some time now to adjust. How does Serena Vigman approach this based on your experience of you know similar things happening to you? Yeah, I think you've got to try and keep the belief up because they're all unbelievably uh, talented individuals. And I think it's really important that she makes them realise that and feel that going into the game and go into it with a lot of confidence. Because you're right, mentality, when you lose a player like that, um, it's difficult because you know what she can bring. And she goes under the radar a lot, but she does so much work on and off the ball. So I think it'll be getting belief up, getting confidence up getting a togetherness, making them realise that, you know, they're all unbelievably talented individuals and together we're a very, very good side. So that's how I see it potentially in the next 24 hours. Can England rest players, Helen? <laughs> I think, was it was it a couple of pods ago we were talking about 26 players on the plane? I just thought there'd be no point. I think it was Miedemar tweeted it, didn't she, saying that she'd take 26 players and have a, a larger squad. There'd just be no point with this England squad because I think Serena Vigman wouldn't rotate the players. I think she sees it as it's, it's a short tournament where you've got to get from beginning to end. She doesn't want to rotate too much. I don't think that we rest players tomorrow against China. We, it's a must win for me. It's a must win. If we go down 1-0, it's, it's a disaster. We could well crash out of the tournament. And just, Carla, your your perspective on England's overall showing so far at this World Cup. We've not notched up enough goals. I don't think we've been convincing enough. There's an argument to say we'll just grow into it and the injury to Kira Walsh may have disrupted that a little bit. What's your assessment on what you make of England just based on what you've seen so far at this World Cup? Yeah, look, I think um, it's been slightly underwhelming, of course. But the, but the fact of the matter is it's two wins from two. It's two clean sheets. You know, we're six points from six. So we've got to take a lot of heart from that. Um, yes, we're not we're not scoring too many goals. We have got a WSL top goal scorer at left back, which we could potentially use. <laughs> Shots fired. This Shots is fired. it. Well, this not, is it. <laughs> <laughs> they have got Rachel Daly at their disposal. Starting at left back in the last game, we know what she can do. We've seen what she can do. Yeah. Are you frustrated about the fact that she's not being utilised up front, or is you know using Lauren James is that a totally fair enough alternate option? I don't think it's frustrated. I know what Rachel Daly can do. And I know that I think everybody's seen this season, you know, she's been unbelievable in the league this year. And she set records left, right and centre. She's been, you know, in and around the box. I don't think there's anybody better than her. I really don't. Um, but look, Serena knows her capabilities at left back. What she did do at left back was allow Lauren James to play a little bit more inside the pitch, which obviously Rach took up the higher position. Yeah, of course, I'd love to see her up top. You know, she's an actual goal scorer. I work for her every day. I understand the qualities. 
But look, what she does for England is, you know, first class. So wherever she plays, I'll always be happy for her. Would I like to see her in the nine? Of course I would. Everybody would. There's not many people that wouldn't agree. So, um, yeah, it's just one of those. But what Rachel's doing is what's best for England right now. Uh, well, there you go. A resounding slice of diplomacy there from Carla Ward. That's what I'm going to call it. <laughs> Kate's been calling Beth enough. England, so... And <laughs> Beth England. Exactly. I, I just feel like she could still spring up at some point and offer options. Uh, yeah, I'm feeling slightly embarrassed about Beth England for the golden boot, but we didn't know how good Lauren James was going to be, did we? What are we looking out for? So in terms of the difficulty that China are going to present us tomorrow, what do England need to be careful of in this one, Carla? I think we can't underestimate them. You know, they're a technical team. They'll be compact. They'll try and really frustrate us. And we've seen, in you know, since the Euros, we've sometimes struggled to break teams down that like to play and bank up. And the bit that worries me, I think, is they've got a little bit of pace on the counter, and that could cause us a problem based on the, the opening two games and, and our shape in transition. So it's got we've got to make sure, England have got to make sure, that, yeah, we're secure behind the ball in everything we do because I think China can cause problems. And, you know, there's everybody believes that England are through already, but it's so tight with goal difference. So I think we need a really professional performance tomorrow. But the big thing will be staying patient because they'll try and, um, they'll try and nullify us early, I'm sure. Uh, well, look, let's take a deeper look at China now with Paul Williams, who is host of the Asian Game podcast. He's in Adelaide. Hi, Paul. How are you? Thanks for having me. Listen, thanks for joining us. With the focus on China, what will the biggest threat from that team be for England? The biggest threat, if they watch the game that China did against Haiti the other day, would absolutely be Wang Shuang. Plays their football in America with Racing Louisville. She's played at PSG in the past before as well. And both in the game against Denmark, their opening game, and against Haiti the other night, she came on at halftime in both of those games and really changed China's fortunes in in both of them, particularly against Haiti. She's the only real creative outlet that that China have. Her her technical ability is far above that of, of her teammates, and that's not to diminish her teammates necessarily but she is just a level above when you watch her out on the field Uh, she's got a wicked left foot really creative got a great eye great touch so she's absolutely the biggest threat for China the biggest question coming in though is given that she started on the bench in both of their opening two games that's been a surprise is whether um, Xu Jinjar actually decides to unleash her from the start in this game. That was one of my questions for you, something that I've commented on, having uh, looked at what she did at the last World Cup as well in 2019. We know how important she is. Why is she not being used for the whole game? Is there is there minutes management going on there, fitness issues? It's a great question because it's being asked by a lot of other people as well as to why isn't she starting from the start of the match, given her capability. There was some speculation that perhaps she was carrying an injury into camp and perhaps that's why she started the Denmark game on the bench but then when she was named on the bench against Haiti as well it certainly raised a few eyebrows as to okay maybe this isn't a fitness issue maybe this is actually a tactical issue that that Xu Xinjara is is choosing to deploy maybe she's trying to 
make sure that you shore things up in the first half. Don't lose the game. And then hopefully things are still, you know, level as such. And then in the second half, bring on your best attacking weapon and try and really open the game up. But I think with everything on the line, trying to have to win and even a win may not necessarily still be enough. You can't take the risk that the game will be over by half time and then your best weapon is not going to be utilised. And you could argue in Denmark and Haiti, China haven't faced the same attacking threat that they yeah. might face against England. So how do they set up for England? Does anything change? And how will they look to exploit the absence of Kira Walsh in midfield? I think it probably allows them to be a little bit more attacking. So I think that would allow them to start Wang Shuang from the very start of, of the game. In midfield, she went for the double pivot last time of, of Yao Lingwei and, and Young Lina. She should uh, be a little bit more attacking in how she approaches the game and, and, and put Wang Shuang in there from the start. It perhaps leaves them a little bit more exposed without that defensive cover. But I think they need to go for this game because, as we discussed before, a win might not necessarily be enough. They need to win and probably win by a couple of goals as well. So they're going to have to attack. I think they have to take the risk and, and start Wang Shuang from the start. Thanks so much, Paul Williams, host of the Asian Game podcast based in Adelaide. Paul, good to speak to you. Thanks very much. Well, if England top the group, they'll play Nigeria in the round of 16. The second place team will play Australia. Both matches are on Monday. Uh, Listeners, James and Sue want to know whether England would rather face Nigeria or Australia. Quick vote for each of you. Who do you think they stand a better chance against Helen Hardy? I'd rather play Australia, but then I've been in the stadium tonight and it's it's tough with this crowd. They're shouting every single chance, every single opportunity, but I'd like to think that England are professional enough and prepared enough to be able to you know, push back against that and be able to ignore the, the, the outside noises and get on with the job in hand. I think Nigeria are a tougher opponent. I'm terrified of Ashwala if, 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 if she's fully back and, and fit. So, yeah, for me, I'd, I'd rather play Australia, but I think we'll play Nigeria because I'm confident we can grab a point at least tomorrow. Yeah, I, I would prefer to play Australia. I think our players, uh, the England girls, know the Australian girls quite well. And I think that I would prefer to play Australia. I think Nigeria, a bit of an, um, you know, they've been tremendous so far in this competition and they've shown they can hurt teams. So I think Nigeria is a tougher, tougher opponent at this stage. You're listening to the Offside Rule World Cup Daily with Sky Sports with Lindsay Hooper and Kate Borsay. Well, you've heard some behind-the-scenes action there from the stadium in Melbourne. Let's move on to another one of the big games of the day. The co-hosts Australia producing some razzo-dazzle to top the group and send Canada home with a 4-0 win in Melbourne. Hayley Brasso scored the opening two goals. Mary Fowler got one after her first was disallowed. And Caitlin Ford sealed the victory with a penalty in stoppage time. Helen, let's go straight to you at the stadium where, uh, even sometime after the game's over, there are still celebrations going on by the Australian. Australian fans and who can blame them tell me about the atmosphere though how much help were the home crowd there and what kind of things were you seeing it was a fantastic atmosphere I I was talking to you about the opener against Ireland and how I often found that maybe the Australian fans were still kind of understanding in in some cases maybe it was their first ever women's football match maybe it was their first ever football match and it's not their national sport in the same way that we went to the Euros last year and it was most people it's one of their first football match it felt like it against Ireland whereas tonight there was drums it was really lifting the crowd and they were behind every decision 
and and, and often I felt like it, it was pressure on the referee, but a very, very experienced referee who made, you know, a lot of a lot of decisions. I think other referees would have been more pressured. And yeah, overall I think it really lifted the Australian team to go on and, and thump and thump a very decent Canada side. Uh, what a performance yeah. in the end. Yes, gold medal uh, Olympic winning side Canada. What was key then, um, Carla, if we look at this in more detail, what was key to the way that Australia's Tony Gustafsson set up for this one? I think he set up um, in a way you would expect him wanting to go and win the game. You know, they set up with two holding players, which allowed the two wide players to go and join the front two. It almost looked like a 4-2-4 for large parts of the games. And, and I don't think Canada's back line could cope with that because they didn't know whether to drop, go with. Um, so, yeah, I think whilst I thought Canada were disappointed, I thought um, Australia were excellent, you know. And I think all of us would agree we want the host nation to go as far as possible because, you know, we saw what happened in England when England started to progress. And um, you can see the scenes and I can certainly hear Helen's background and what it means out there. So, yeah, look, I'm delighted that Australia have gone through. But certainly the way he set his team up today is, is massive credit to him. Yeah, let's just expand on that. I thought the way that Steph Catley and Caitlin Ford were linking up to Rasso was really important. Helen, tell me about the other players who you were impressed with and what you saw uh, at the stadium today. Oh, I thought Sam Kerr was... (laughs) (laughs) So we should say Sam Kerr was on the bench. She's one of she was Helen's ones to watch predictions pick for Lindsay Hooper. The less said about that, the better. I really thought I thought it was gonna be my moment. I really thought (laughs) she didn't warm up. She wasn't anywhere near. She was basically in the nicest possible way a mascot for the Australia team in this game, if that's not too harsh. I think it's safe to say the Australia team is wholeheartedly not just about one player, and that was demonstrated uh, wholeheartedly today. Just take us through who impressed you. Yeah, for me, Steph Catley, because as much as, you know, the first 20 minutes or so, you know, Australia managed to walk away with a 4-0 win, I thought that she was fantastic at left back and she was she covered really well. She caused no end of problems for Adriana Leon, um, who was trying to make just such a frustrated figure down that right-hand side because Catley just covered her, her base really, really well. Also caused loads of problems for for Ford causing down that left-hand side, which I thought was fantastic. I thought Arnold had a really good gig and goal. I know she didn't have much to do. In fact, there was a stat on the screen at one point which said number of passes, 300 for Canada, 150 for Australia. And then it said number of shots on target, five for Australia, none for Canada. And um, mm. and although I think Arnold didn't have much to do tonight, I thought she was fantastic when she was called upon in terms of spreading the play. Some of her distribution throughout this tournament, I haven't really thought has been up there, but today she was distributing really well. Some of her passes were really comfortable out wide. It really reminded us, me of um, our girl Mary Earps with the confidence with her, the ball at her feet. Um, and I thought she did fantastic. But for me, star of the show, Hayley Rasso, obviously got the opening goal, went on to score another in the end. She could have had a hat-trick in the end. Um, she had a fantastic performance today. And they love her. The Australians absolutely love her with the ribbon in her hair. They they live for Hayley Rasso. So it was really nice seeing that and seeing them celebrating her. Uh, Canada, 61% possession, Carla. 11 shots, only three on target. What the heck is wrong or was wrong with Canada in this one? What happened? I don't know. Like I said before, I was really, really disappointed with them. It was like they didn't come out of the blocks. But even when they conceded the first goal, you expected a reaction, but but there wasn't. You know, Australia, to be fair, 4-0, it wasn't flattering either. It could have been 5 or 6. But I think um, when they dissect that, I think a lot of them will ask questions of themselves. 
because as well, the energy and the work rate normally are non-negotiable for, for any team. But Canada have shown over the last few years that that's you know, a big part of their game. But we didn't see that tonight. And that was really interesting. I don't know whether it was the occasion. I don't know whether it was the pressure of the fact that they had to, you know, against the host nation in, such, in front of such a big crowd, needed a result. Did that play a part? Potentially. But um, yeah, really, really disappointing uh, from Canada. And I'm pretty sure they all will be once they uh, once they actually dissect that. I think Australia were clever as well. They set the press on, you know, we've we've seen this year um, a couple of the those in the back line, particularly Buchanan, under, under any sort of pressure. It's probably the part of a game where you can try and exploit. And I think Australia did that at times. They set their press very, very well. So Look, you don't you don't want to highlight one or two. I think as a collective, um, it simply wasn't good enough tonight. And I think when they go away, they'll realise that. Yeah, and I think it's probably. I mean, she defies nature, but Christine Sinclair. I think it's probably safe to say it's her last World Cup. Forty years old, she's scored the most international goals in history, men or women. One hundred and ninety goals for Canada, six World Cups. She's made such a contribution to the game and I, I actually feel really gutted for her. I think she's one of those players, one of those few players really you know, her martyr, step onto the football pitch and you kind of go wow, I'm in the presence of absolute greatness and I'm really gutted for her. She didn't get to finish the game today either, that she was she was taken off, so disappointed that she didn't get her goal at this World Cup she missed that penalty of course that's the real saddest takeaway I think from the Canada perspective because the players would have wanted to give her that they would have wanted to give her that goal to just cement her greatness really in history. But she's mm. done so much for Canada and for Canadian football. She's done so much as a footballer for women's football. So she can leave with her head held high. All right, well, let's move on. Uh, Nigeria, they had a nil-nil draw against the Republic of Ireland. That has secured them a spot in the round of 16. Sadly, goodbye to Ireland, um, of course. But I know we, we talked a lot about that with Aoife Mannion on the podcast yesterday. So just summing up then in that round of 16, Nigeria, uh, as we say, played the top team in England's group. Australia then played the second place team in that group. Both matches are on Monday. up to date with everything going on at the Women's World Cup in Australia by using the free Sky Sports app. You'll find news, interviews, live match coverage, analysis and much more. You don't have to be a Sky customer to use it. Go to your app store, download it and away you go. And after the World Cup, it's the best app for WSL coverage and so much more, including F1, the Premier League, world-class boxing, international cricket and more. Remember, you don't have to be a Sky customer to use it. Just search for Sky Sports in your app store. Well, let's go to one of the early kickoffs now and a game to remember. It was awesome. Japan beat Spain 4-0 in Wellington. In the first half, Spain had three quarters of the possession, but Japan took their chances. Three shots on goal and three goals scored, thanks to Hanata Miyazawa and Riko Yuki. Mina Tanaka came on as a substitute to add the fourth with a solo effort sent into the top corner. There was an earthquake in Wellington last night, ladies. It's safe to say the aftershocks continued. Oh, God. Let's go into, <laughs> let's go into this one. Hey, come um, on. Oh, come on. I had to mention it. I had to mention it. Carla Ward, to you, first of all. I mean, this just blew me away, this game. Japan was so impressive. And I'm getting kind of memories of the 2011 World Cup and their their technique and their cleverness. It was all about tactics, this one, for Japan, wasn't it? 
yeah, look, this was my favourite game of the tournament, quite honestly. I loved it. I going into going into the game, you've got two technical teams that both like to look after the ball. But the way that Japan set up was 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 something else, you know, a tactical masterclass in my opinion, because they set up with a five four one. They knew that Spain would like to try and take up those positions in between the lines, but they, they simply couldn't get um, you know, those top players on the ball. And the more the longer the game went on, they Spain were getting more and more frustrated. So, look, I think Japan have been, um, you know, they've scored 11 goals that they now in three games, not conceded. You know, I don't think anyone's going to want to face them. But overall, I thought they were sensational this morning. I, I honestly think that's the best performance of the tournament by a long stretch. One thing I will say about the Japan side that I love is that they use the wit so well. And I touched on it last time, but their opening goal came from such a simple transition, centre-back. Passed it out wide to the to the left winger. The left winger runs with it and then passes it in front for for her to slot it home up front as a striker. It was just such a simple transition, but it's so difficult to monitor that as as an opposition because you're so wide that almost touching the bylines when they when they're coming in when they're attacking the play and it's it's so beautiful. But and um, from a Spain perspective not in terms of what they're doing on the pitch, because I think that they're being too technical. I think this this passing sort of play isn't working. But they remind me in mentality of England of old. They, they remind me, they, I just can't see them ever being able to win a tournament until they crack this thing of just going into these tough games and bottling it. They have the Ballon d'Or winner. Onabartier, for me, is the best right back in the world. And mm. they, they've gone out there and and it's almost like they just sort of, wilt under the pressure of it all you just don't see a team that are really got any impetus to carry it forward and they're fearful they're fearful of attacking they're fearful of creating and it just yeah it really reminds me of that mentality that we saw from England before we cracked the code 12 months ago today (laughs) (laughs) Um, let's pick up on Spain with you Carla and actually Badier you've um, brought her up but she was positionally moved slightly in the second half however what would you have done if you were Jorge Vilda what changes would you have made at half time that could have made a difference in this one well, first and foremost, it would have probably been a rocket um, because, look, one thing that I noticed with Spain, particularly on that third goal, in transition, you, there was not just one or two walking or having a slight jog. There was one too many. And that just can't happen at this level. And I think that we know that they've got world-class players all over the pitch. We know that, you know, they're blessed with so much quality. But if you can't do the work off the ball and you can't dig in together, you, you're not going to win World Cups. You're not going to win tournaments. Um so yeah, I think I, I think I said it earlier. The, their attitude to defend simply needs to get better if they're going to keep progressing. Because we know what they can do on the ball, but off the ball, it's that for me was the biggest highlight. Um, and I think if he has a look back, yeah, I think there'll be a few choice words when when analysing that. I was just going to say, I also just feel like you know we're talking about what would Carla Ward do if Carla Ward was in charge of these players. The person in charge of the players isn't the person that the players want to be in charge of them, and so it's not something comparable because I think the Villa girls quite like Carla. (laughs) 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 We're in a situation where it's not a laughing matter really when it comes to Spain. This Spanish team want a change to happen. They spoke to their federation. That's what they want. I can say it. There's no. I don't. I don't mind saying it. I think the biggest situation with Spain now is they've lost against Japan. They shouldn't have that manager in place. They shouldn't have the the group of people around the Spanish players in place. On paper, this Spanish team are electric. That's that's the reality of this. 
on paper, this team can destroy anybody and that's not happening. And I think one of the reasons that not, that's not happening is because the belief from the players isn't in the manager and I don't think the relationship's yeah. there. I think that's, I think that's it. And, and I hope from this, if anything, that, that the big talking point out of off the back of this is that this isn't a manager that can take them forward and, and help them win World Cups. And, and hopefully that, that gets the players what they want. Yeah, they are missing, you know, the likes of Mappy Leon as well. And, you know, now the talking points around Spain are going to be about how those players are missing. And they got away with it to this point, you know, that they've got such superstar that they, they could perform still, even without that, that key personnel not playing. But that's changed now and that's going to be distracting. And from a women's football point of view as well, we are being denied seeing the best that Spain has to offer on the world stage. And that isn't just degrading from a Spain point of view. It's degrading from a women's football point of view. Women's football deserves so much more. And it is absolutely bonkers that that team have been allowed to go into the world showpiece for women's football without the full personnel in place. I really hope the Spanish Federation sort it out. All right, well, I've had my say. I'll leave it there. One more game to mention from today's action. The debutante Zambia, they got their first ever World Cup win. It finished 3-1 against Costa Rica in Hamilton. Three minutes in, Zambia's Lashoma Mamwiba scored the fastest goal of the tournament. Then Barbara Banda scored the 1,000th goal in Women's World Cup history with a penalty. Melissa Herrera pulled one back, but Rachel Kandananji sealed the win for Zambia. Next up then, both of you. It's our ones to watch predictions game. Here's producer Sophie with the rules. This is the Offside Rule World Cup Daily with Sky Sports ones to watch. The game where you predict tomorrow's top player. So pick a player and let's get started. You'll get two points for a goal. It's one point for an assist and one point for a clean sheet if you're a defender. And if you pick a goalkeeper, it's two points for a clean sheet and three points for a penalty save. Oh, and minus one for a red card. We're going to be keeping tallies throughout the tournament. There'll be a pundit's team, a producer's team and, of course, a listener's team. So keep your scores at home and let us know how you're getting on. Let's play. Thanks, producer Sophie. Listeners, if you want to join in at any point, um, just start with the same amount of points as the person in last place and get going. It's not too late to join our Ones to Watch prediction game. Now, let's recap what happened in yesterday's show. Almost all of us put our eggs in Spain's non-plentiful basket. It didn't work out for us. So the scores are the producers are still in the lead on 15 points. Me close behind on 14. The pundits are on 11 points. Apologies, to them. I made a mistake on the last show. It won't happen again. So 11 points for the pundits. And after three days of Helen Hardy, Lindsay remains <laughs> on six points. No sign of Sam Kerr today. I think she never thinks I'm winding her up. I'm not. Sabotage, isn't it? Sabotage. You and I have had words. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Tuesday's games then. Portugal play USA. Vietnam take on the Netherlands. England face China and it's Haiti versus Denmark. The USA could be knocked out, as could England. Three teams still have a chance of going through in both groups. So it's basically all to play for in this one. The question of the moment is, Carla Ward, on behalf of the pundits, who is your player to watch? Sophia Smith. So you just betray England like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to put it in a nutshell, yes, I am. 
I've also gone for Sophia Smith. So I've also betrayed England in your words, Helen. Thank you very much. Uh, look, she's a talented player. And Carla, I'm sure that you are as much of a fan as I am. As long as she doesn't get left out wide too much, I think she'll notch up a few more goals. Uh, I'm sure you'll agree. Helen Hardy, how are you going to resuscitate Lindsay Hooper's poor showing? This is it. This is a moment. Sam Kurt. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm going for Alessia Russo. Russo is going to get the goal. This is it. This is her moment. I believe in her. Bless you, Russo, for the win. Carla, what what do you make of that, Carla? About which bit? Where we Daly not playing up front? Or... <laughs> Rach Daly might pop up from left back, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. Get, get a goal. I should have said Rachel Daly just to make Carla Ward happy. You would have. You would have. Producer Sophie's gone with the Netherlands and Jill Roard. All right, let's wrap it up there. Let's see, Helen. I just, anyway, <laughs> maybe we'll all be proved wrong. Thanks very much to Helen Hardy in Melbourne. Speak to you again soon, Helen. And Carla Ward, the Aston Villa manager, huge pleasure to have you join us today. Bit of tactical insight. I like it very much. And I hope that you continue to enjoy the World Cup. We'll be checking back in with you again, I know. Don't forget to rate, follow and subscribe to the show. When you're watching England or in any of the other teams in action uh, in Tuesday's games, share your thoughts with us at hashtag offside. WC and at Offside Rule Pod if you're getting in touch on the socials. This has been the Offside Rule World Cup Daily with Sky Sports. We'll speak to you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.